you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky here, Move the Sticks, presented by Zaxby's. Buck, how you doing, man? Man, I'm good. I'm good. It's, it's near the end of the week. We're getting ready for the weekend, Thursday night, Thursday night football, big game tonight. Jaguars and Dolphins, and then get ready for a nice slate of games this weekend. Yeah, that's kind of where we're going to go today is is talking about the game coming up on Monday night with the Chiefs and Ravens and kind of looking at those quarterbacks and how that's kind of changed scouting as we we go forward, Um, as well as just some of the overall good play we're seeing from young quarterbacks around the NFL. Uh, But I do have to say, I'm I'm looking at the schedule, and we've got some SEC football this this coming weekend Mm. I'm fired up about as well, Buck. Well, look, man, we talk about that conference, and anyone who has been in the scouting business understands how the SEC is revered in war rooms around the league. And so, yeah, there are a lot of people tuning in. And because uh, potentially we could have the opportunity to see 10 conference games, there are a lot of people that will be paying close attention to what's going on down the SEC. 
Yeah, a lot of good on good football, which is great uh, for us. When we look at this uh, game in particular here, Chiefs and Ravens coming up Monday night, big, probably biggest game of the year uh, on the NFL schedule. They've played a couple great games already. But when we look at the quarterbacks specifically, Buck, we've talked about them individually in the past, but uh, have you seen kind of a, a change in the position and in, in what teams are looking for since we've seen the emergence of these two guys? I mean, DJ, come on, we've had these conversations. Like, I think the the change has been obvious. I think there's been a greater emphasis placed on athleticism, um, the ability to create and extend plays with your feet. Um, if you have legitimate running skills, that is um, a skill that has been celebrated and even enhanced in the National Football League. And so we're seeing a, a set of different playmakers at the position, whereas 10, 15, 20 years ago, uh, we wouldn't necessarily have those guys rated at the top of the board because back then, um, early 2000s, it was still about fitting the quarterback into the offensive coordinator system. Now it's about the offensive coordinator building a system around the talents of the quarterback. And so when you have that difference and that philosophical change up top, and then you see how these young quarterbacks have been thrive, thriving at the lower levels, um, I think it makes sense to try and meet them halfway, especially under the, the the premise that the biggest and best championship window is when your young quarterback is playing on a rookie deal. And so that really changed um, the game. And that has made it where you had to be more adaptable and flexible, not only who you pick, but how you play them when you do get them in the program. One of the things I, I've learned from these two guys is um, – there's a couple things that can be improved when you get to the next level. And I think sometimes we used to have these arguments, right? Can you improve your accuracy uh, when you get to the NFL? And for a lot of times, a lot of people say, no, nope, you kind of are what you are. You can't, you can't dispute the fact that Lamar Jackson has become a more accurate passer. Like his, his, his uh, accuracy has stepped way up. Then I think you look at Mahomes and say, okay, well, mechanically, footwork wise, some of those you know, sloppy issues he might've had in college, can those things be improved? Absolutely, those things can be improved. So you got to try and figure out what are the things that you have that you've got to have at the college level versus some things we can project and say, okay, there's growth uh, there at the NFL level. And I think a, a couple things you've got to have. I think you should, first of all start with the prerequisites, you know, arm skill, right? You've got to be able to make the throws you need to make. You're not, I mean, getting your arm you know, a tremendous amount stronger is not going to happen. You get a little bit stronger, but not going to see huge growth in that area. And then I would say you look at the makeup, you know, the toughness, the intelligence, the, the competitiveness, those things kind of have to be ingrained. I don't think you get to the NFL and magically become tougher, more competitive or smarter. I think that's 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 uh, things you got to have. Yeah, I, I think those things stand out. And I do believe um, everything that you allude to when it comes to um, a accuracy, improvement, development, I think it requires you as an evaluator to have more imagination when it comes to where these guys can be. And I think that is hard for a lot of us because right now we're seeing guys that are playing the position that go against all of the norms and the standards that we were taught when we first got into business. Uh, we're seeing Kyler Murray, who is a sub six foot player. We've seen Baker Mayfield, who was right at that borderline go. We're now looking at Lamar Jackson, who look, man, back, back to back years, he ran for 1500 yards at Louisville and he had some limitations when it came to his ability to throw outside the numbers, Josh Allen, who was a sub 60% completion percentage passer his entire career, but now he's 
coming off a remarkable game. And we're having to have a conversation about him as arguably one of the best young quarterbacks in the game. Those guys wouldn't have gotten, they wouldn't have merited big grades back in the day when the standard was a pocket passer that had to have certain things. And now we're seeing those guys not only get picked, but have success. It completely changes the conversation and it makes it really a very wide open evaluation when it comes to the quarterback position. I think also one of the things I would look at, if you look at the overall teams around these guys, we've always talked about the three P's, right? Playmakers, protection, uh, play callers. So I think they were in good shape with the with the play callers, very creative play callers uh, with Greg Roman, obviously Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. That crew there has done a great job. Um, you look at the playmakers; they had skill around of running backs, receivers, tight ends. But I, I think that the thing that would stand out to me, and I think about a guy like Sam Darnold, right, who hasn't you know hasn't uh, mm-hmm. progressed as quickly as we all would hope. I think that to me, that protection is the, is a big part of that. And I think, you know, you're starting to see a little bit of a sign there that the Jets are headed in that in the right direction with Beckton, the way he's playing. But I think when you look at the Chiefs, man, they had they had high a lot of capital, high draft picks invested in the offensive line. Ronnie Stanley's been kind of that stalwart there for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, to me, I, I think that when you bring in a new quarterback, I think that has to be at the top of the list, maybe even more so than going out and getting some playmakers on the outside is you, you've got to get some guys to make him comfortable. And I think those teams did a good job of building around their quarterbacks and getting those guys to be comfortable. DJ, I think it goes back to an old saying um, that uh, I would say our grandparents and stuff would use when it comes to raising children to talk about, it takes a village. Um, yeah. I think when you treat quarterbacks like that, it takes a village, like a quarterback cannot stand alone without help. He has to have everything around him. So when we think about the village, the protection, having a solid offensive line certainly protects him and helps him grow up. Having playmakers around him uh, on the pass, in the passing game, that also helps him advance because now you have guys that can go get it. And particularly if some of those playmakers are veteran players who are experienced, not learning on the fly, like some of his classmates would be, yeah, I think it helps. We talked about DeAndre Hopkins and Stephon Diggs and how they helped their young quarterbacks, Kyler Murray and Josh Allen, respectively, kind of go on. And then when you think about the running game and having a running back behind you that can take away, take off some of the pressure, um, not necessarily that it has to be uh, a dominant A-plus running back, but someone that can churn out enough yards that the defense has to respect them and you just don't get all these loaded zones that are designed to take away the passing game and make it very, very complex. And then it comes down to the play caller. And, and you and I have talked about, man, just the difference a play caller makes. And we won't knock or diss Adam Gase or whatever, but let's just imagine if we, if we swapped out Josh Allen and Sam Donald and we put mm-hmm. Sam Donald in Buffalo's system, can we say that Sam Donald would have that kind of success with the creativity and the playmakers that he would have around him, the way that the Buffalo Bills play stylistically offense and defense, I would say so. If we, if we take um, other young quarterbacks that are struggling and put them in better environments or maybe put them in a system that is like a quarterback-friendly system that I believe the Shanahan system is, where you have the complementary run game, you have a set of core pass plays that are dressed up every week, but it's the mm-hmm. same reads for the quarterback, like we've seen Jerry Goff thrive in. Look, I, I think those things matter. Uh, I mean, I, I look in that same game when I'm looking at Sam Donald's struggle. I see Nick Mullins come off the bench and go eight for 11 yeah. in, in a system that 
is conducive to quarterbacks playing well. So as much as we want to ding um, quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, it's the village. If the village is right, then the kid will grow up and prosper. And so I think that's what we're seeing at the quarterback position. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's it's absolutely the truth. And to me, I, I think it's interesting when you look at this list and you, you uh, put this out about the quarterbacks 25 or younger, 40-plus attempts, 100-plus pass rating through their team's first two games this year. It's Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Gardner Minshew, Jared Goff, Patrick Mahomes. We've touched on the Ravens. We've touched on the Bills, touched on the Rams. We've touched on the Chiefs. The other team up there with the young quarterback, though, is Jacksonville with Gardner Minshew. And I got to tell you, man, when I was watching them uh, yesterday, I was watching their their tape from last week. Buck, um, you talk about putting some good players around him. Mm-hmm. LaVisca Chenault. LaVisca is the guy that we saw at Colorado the year before, right? Mm-hmm. He was dinged up and wasn't all that healthy. Then he goes to the spring process, um, wasn't able to compete. Uh, you know, I think he did. He run. I believe he ran at the combine. Right? Did run well. Something about his foot. I don't think. I don't. Yeah, think he was not healthy. Yeah. He was not healthy, and uh, and then so he was somebody that just kind of got lost in the shuffle through the through the draft process. But it goes back to our theory of when we've seen somebody do it at a high level. Now we have to do your homework about why they didn't sustain it. But know in the back of your mind, he's got it in him because I've seen him do this. And when they line him up in the backfield in that game, I posted a play on, on uh, Twitter or whatever where he just yeah. freaking ran a dude over. Um, but his ability to be uh, – he can use him on all the gadget stuff, but then on the outside he can play above the rim and, and go do things there as well. I mean, he's he's got a chance to be a really, really good player. When you have DJ Chark on the other side, now all of a sudden you look at Gardner Minshew – and you're like, man, Gardner Menchie's not bad. And now you look at what he has around him with some weapons. Like, uh, Jacksonville might have a little something cooking here. They Look, DJ, it is the biggest surprise. Like, obviously, uh, doing their broadcast, talking about them and, and working with the team, um, didn't know much. I also had my doubts, and I was uh, maybe critical going in. Like, man, I don't know how good they're going to be. But then you see it play out, right? A team with 16 rookies. Uh, a quarterback that's a second-year guy who still carries the stigma of being a late-round pick, how good is he? How much of those rookie numbers were inflated because they were behind and those things? But then when you study him and you study him in Jay Gruden's offense, I mean, part of it is, I mean, he's dealing like he dealt at uh, Washington State. I mean, he is just getting the ball out to the playmakers. They got enough playmakers around him because you talked about Chenault and Chark, but um, Keelan Cole uh, is one. Chris Conley coming from Kansas City is another. Uh, Tyler Eifert being able to control the middle of the field. And then the discovery is James Robinson in the backfield, who not only can run it, but can catch the ball. And so now they're just, he's just dealing. And when he kind of, what I say, stays within himself and doesn't try to do too much, man, he's as, he's as good as it gets. And I think the big thing for them will be what is his long-term ceiling? Is he a 9-10 win quarterback or does he have the potential with the right stuff around him to get to 12-13 wins? You know, and so the big thing will be determining is he more um, Kirk Cousins, Case Keenum, Baker Mayfield? Like, where does he fall in um, down the line? But he certainly has proven um, as a late round pick that you can put a late round guy in there. And if you craft it the right way and surround it with the right pieces, he can be as effective and flourish. And I think that's the bigger lesson with these young quarterbacks, like right environment, they all can thrive. Yep. I, I think they've done a nice job of building it there and they play hard, man. I, I think they've kind of, 
got a lot of grief for some of the good players that they've traded out of there. But I think they have done a nice job of getting some speed, some young guys uh, that play really, really hard. And I think the the, uh, the message that's been sent to them from the coaching staff, obviously, is, is hit home. Yeah, it, it certainly is hit home. And, and DJ, this is a, a bigger theme. And I, I heard this. I can't remember. Oh, Matt Rule said this. Hey, man, if you want a team that plays hard, get a bunch of players that play hard. Like yeah. that's, that's what it is. It's like if, if you want tough guys, you got to go get you want a tough team. Go get guys that are tough. Like there's some stuff that you can you can bring at the next level. You can sprinkle some stuff on top, but it kind of has to be in you. And so what the Jaguars have done is they swapped out maybe some of the personalities and egos that were in their locker room for a bunch of blue collar players that really play hard and are kind of built the right way. And so I think that's why it works. Yeah, it, it has so far when you when you pop it on and watch it. I, I went through, I've got a video coming up where I do those top eight rookies that I throw on my YouTube channel, Buck. And so I, I kind of was going through my list of finalists. I've got to pare it down to eight. But so from mm. the guys that I've watched this week, um, I'll give you some names. And I want to just, just hit on who, who jumps out to you once I get to the end. Maybe just grab two or three names that intrigue you. All right. uh, but these are kind of the finalists to get to the eight. Um, some linemen, uh, Jedrick Wills. Uh, Becton, Worfs, all three of those guys played well last week. Uh, Edwards Alaire did not have his his tip, typical great game uh, week two. Chenault, who we talked about, James Robinson, who we talked about, Burrow, who had you know a much better game week two. Um, I've got uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor, Antoine Winfield, Jeremy Chin, who was fun to watch, mm-hmm. Herbert, Justin Herbert, Chase Young. Uh, Patrick Queen, Kenneth Murray, and C.D. Lamb. So th- those are that's the finalists there to get down to. I got to get down to eight from there. Okay, so two things, and I want to lean on this because we were just talking about the quarterbacks, and then I want to move on to another position. But because you saw it firsthand, I think what Justin Herbert was able to do was remarkable, but it also was a testament to what we talked about systems yep. and. Anthony Lynn had talked about the system and how he wanted to do some things from the Shanahan system that he played in in Denver. And he just felt like, look, man, this system work. It works. It's tried and true. And you see the results. DJ, five minutes before a game, you have a rookie quarterback who hasn't had a preseason. You drop him in as the starting quarterback. He not only puts up a 300 yard game, but he played well enough for the team to win. Mm hmm. To me, oh, by the way, against the defending champs. Right. And and to me, it talks about the perfect village. So you talked about protection. That offensive line is solid. They, like they, they have some things, but they made some improvements, although Belaga yeah. got hurt in that game. But inside, they, they actually played pretty good inside. Right. And then on the outside, you have guys, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Like you, you have playmakers that Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry can do it. The running game, you have Austin Eckler. You saw Josh Kelly get in the mix. And then you have a system where it's all coordinated and tied together, meaning the running game matches the passing game. The reads, because the play action is so good and so deceptive, is like what I call easy to spot reads. Hey, fake pull out is here or there. Like, curl, it, Buck, it was a lot of curl flat, to be honest with you. It's like <laughs> easy, right? High school, high school. Right. And, and, and then you look up, you're like, man, Justin Herbert has 300 yards. 300 yards, and I would say that it is probably like him driving on the 405 right now. Like, it cars going everywhere. It hasn't even slowed down. But the system in the village made it where he was able to have success. And I think 
that is what we have to continue to talk about when we talk about these young guys. And when we talk about the next class of quarterbacks, we can talk about where their talents are. But more importantly, it's going to be to identify, okay, within the top five or the top 10, here are the teams that can really make these quarterbacks right. Because I think that's also what we're seeing. There's certain teams that have play callers and people that can make the quarterback selection right. Yep. No, it's a great point. And that's going to give those guys a chance, which is all you want is for those guys to have a chance and not have uh, have to throw them out there and know, oh, man, I hope he can overcome this, that, and the other, like actually giving them some help. Uh, one of the other thoughts I had going through these rookies is this is a chat we have in the run-up to the draft every year where we put together the different menus, right? Mm-hmm. And if you remember last year, we were talking about the Carolina Panthers uh, potentially taking an Isaiah Simmons because we know Matt Rule covets guys with that track-type speed and athleticism. But we know we also want to be a physical team. So the question was, do we take Isaiah Simmons or do you take Derek Brown? Like that was kind of the debate all in the lead-up to the draft for the Carolina Panthers. Well, what, what we've talked about as well is that you have some similar players in different tiers. Mm-hmm. So when they looked at it and said, okay, when you stack up Jeremy Chin and his athleticism, boy, it stacks right up there with Isaiah Simmons. I mean, he's a freak. Uh, how athletic he is, the numbers he posted. So they found a way to get their cake and eat it too, which was they were able to take Derek Brown. They were able to get Jeremy Chin, who was their version of Isaiah Simmons, and who through two weeks has outplayed him. He's been better. Um, than Isaiah Simmons. He's been a really good player. Um, and, man, I'll tell you what, on uh, on on Chin, I posted a play of him running and, range, and showing his range. Buck, he's a personal protector on punt. And there's a there's a punt against Tampa. I'll have to send you the clip. But, I mean, he is – he is. but the guy catches – as he catches the ball, he makes the tackle. Like, he is just flying down the field. And I'm like, this guy's a football player, man. They play him high. They play him some of the nickel. He's rushing off the edge. He's doing everything uh, for, for that defense. So – to me, I think knowing, um, being able to group similar players in different tiers and being able to say, okay, we're okay if we don't take this player in, in, in tier A because we actually really like this player in tier B that's going to fill the same role. So here's what's funny about that, right? Um, so I think you posted that on, I think you posted something on Jeremy Twitter, yeah. Twitter and yeah. then uh, someone quote tweeted you and talked about, you know, like high school recruiting and, and where people liked him, but they were scared to put the grade on them because others didn't. So I followed it up and said, look, part of the job as an evaluator is to have courage and conviction is Mm -hmm. to be able to see a player and to boldly put a big grade on them based on what you see and what you think the potential is, regardless of what the other voices in the room may say when you stand up on the table. And if you're wrong, so be it. But if you're going to be great in the team building process, sometimes you have to swing for the fences. And you have to do it based on, look, what your eyes tell you, what your gut tells you, and what the data would tell you that a player could be. And whether it works or not, like, that's it. But if you are going to be bold, I think you have to do it and you have to do that. And I think I want to give credit to Matt Rule and those guys because it was bold of them to bypass Isaiah Simmons and have in their mind, here's what we're going to do. We're going to bypass Simmons to get Derrick Brown because we believe that there's another player that can give us comparable production and performance in the second round, or as you say, a tier two or a tier B player. And they found it in Chen. And you're right. He has outplayed Isaiah Simmons. And it'd be interesting to track those guys as they go forward because Simmons came in with a lot of hype. Chen didn't, but the versatility was nearly identical because Chen played corner. He played safety. 
He came in the box and played linebacker, blitzed a little, did a, a bunch of different things. So he had a Swiss Army knife type game, and they're finding a way to utilize it. Yeah, and the other thing I would add, you know, just being able to run like that, man, just makes such a, a difference. And I think when you look at Queen and Murray, uh, Patrick Queen for the Ravens, Kenneth Murray for the Chargers, changes the second level of their defense, man. And I think for a long time there's some organizations that believe uh, you don't take linebackers, you don't take off-the-ball linebackers in the first round, you can find them anywhere. Look around the league, and we talked about this on our last episode. If you have linebackers and safeties that can't cover, they will get exposed in a big way, and you watch it every single week. But to me, when you get when you have players like that that can that can run and cover and have instincts, there's there's not a ton of them, man. And so to expend a first round pick, the Baltimore Ravens one of the best drafting teams in the NFL. Maybe maybe they're maybe they're not maybe they're onto something here. Maybe we shouldn't be poo pooing taking off the ball linebackers in the first round. And I think of a lot of these guys that have changed their defenses over the last few years. These off the ball linebackers that have come in. Um, you think about you know the Cowboys when those guys are healthy, which hasn't always been the case. Um, but that makes their defense a lot different. Uh, Roquan Smith, what he can do. Mm-hmm. Um, look at Devin Bush with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, look at um, Devin White with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Like these guys that can really, really run and can play at the second level, they've been impactful players. If you go look at the hit rate on off-the-ball linebackers in the first round over the last five years, it's pretty darn high. It is really high, especially if we're talking about the guys that you're not projecting to be pass rushers, but just – a big, fast, physical, sideline-to-sideline playmakers. Those guys have been affected. How about, about Edmonds with the Bills? Man, long, rangy, every, everything. Like, that's that's exactly what you want. And, DJ, when we're, we're thinking about building a championship team, like, part of that is, like, in theory, what do I want a championship team to look like? Well, I know, like, based on the way offenses are playing, speed has to be a factor because – you have to be fast enough to deal with the teams like the Chiefs. They want to spread and shred you. They want to get you and isolate these guys. So you have to be fast enough to do that. And then sometimes speed can counter and negate physicality up front. I think everyone that faces the Baltimore Ravens and that team that wants to come downhill, part of the fear that you have in dealing with the Ravens is not only that they want to be physical coming downhill, is that Lamar Jackson and the players around him also can fly. And so you're looking for that perfect combination of speed, toughness, and physicality, especially within your front seven. You have to have enough of those guys that can kind of play that chase game and also come downhill and smack when you need to. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. Now, when you look around the league, Buck, and you see some of these 0-2 teams, um, it's a weird year. When we talked about it, we, you, you just don't want to go 0-4, right? Even if you just scratch out a one win in the first quarter of the season, get your legs underneath you, get get healthy, get everybody comfortable, and there's an extra playoff spot, like you're alive. You're alive going forward. You just don't want to go 0 4. But when you look at some of these 0 2 teams, um, who, who do you have the most concern of when you when you stare at some of those teams with, that had expectations, not the ones we knew were going to be bad, but maybe some that had some expectations? Well, I think in the NFC North, I think you have to talk about both of the Lions and the Vikings. I don't know if they were high expectations, but there were some people that felt like the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I think the Vikings. And then the Vikings Vikings would be a better team. And then when you've looked at these teams, these teams have really, really struggled. Um, And they've struggled in a way in which you wonder, can they get out of it? The Vikings, you wonder, there are a lot of things and people want to talk about it, but we'll we'll talk about it. Um, Mike Zimmer made a decision to get rid of George Edwards and he got rid of Jerry Gray. He elevated his son, Adam Zimmer, and Andre Patterson. They are co-defensive coordinators. And there was a lot of concern about those guys' readiness to be able to take on 
that job. And when you look at this defense, and some of it is beat up because Anthony Barr is out, they're not the same. The one thing that we always could count on from the Minnesota Vikings is that defensively, they were always going to show up and be in a game. But, man, past two weeks, man, they have they have been taken to the shed from mm-hmm. a defensive standpoint. And I think it's alarming and concerning because I think many of us thought this team would still be good regardless of the departures of some of the players that they had. Yeah, I think, look, Daniel Hunter not being out there is a big part of that, too. So you're missing a big-time guy up front. You've got a young secondary with some, with some players with ability, but, man, they looked young thus mm-hmm. far through a couple of weeks. And then on the offensive side of the ball, they can't protect. Uh, they're just getting crushed up front. And then Kirk Cousins hasn't been able to make up for it. So there's a lot of problems with the Minnesota Vikings. That was a team I was going to say. Like, if you're saying the team that you had the most concern with, I think that, you know, the the uh, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles – not great what you've seen by any stretch. I don't think that division is going to completely run away from them. I, th- I think the Cowboys will win it, but I think the uh, the Eagles still have a chance to get things corrected, get Wentz and his mechanics fixed, um, and they've got a chance to you know to get their way back to nine wins, to try and get in the postseason. Minnesota, I'm, I'm, that didn't look good to me, man. I know they're going to get Daniel Hunter back at some point in time here, but that that one that scares me. Yeah, it should scare you. Now the, the problem is, and I think the difference is DJ. Like we haven't talked about this, but. Um, at some point we have to remember that there's seven teams that get into the playoffs this year. That is a little, I mean, that's a little different. Um, and that could be a game changer when it comes to um, these teams just getting hot enough to kind of get in the back door. The problem with the Vikings um, getting in, man, the Packers are going to run away from it. So now the Vikings have to cast their eye to the NFC West and look at those teams. Can they keep up with, that man, that because that NFC West foursome looks tremendous with Arizona, the Rams, the Niners, and the Seahawks. They're going to kind of cannibalize each other because they play those games. But you have to look to that. Um, the Eagles. My only concern with the Eagles: one, can you fix Wentz in the middle of the season, and yeah. can you can you fix him through play calling? But the reason why I worry about play calling. Um, Doug Peterson wanted to bring in. He brought in a bunch of different guys and different philosophies. There's a, there's a lot of cooks in that kitchen, Buck. Yeah, Mike Scangrello. Um, you have Deuce Staley there. Mike Marty Morningwig's back there now. Marty Morningwig is back. So man, you man, you got a you got a lot of people dropping um, notes in the suggestion box, and I, I, I know that that has to make it tough for the decision maker to figure out this is how we need to approach it. Because let's look at it. Marty Morningwig wants to throw it all over the yard. Um, Scangrello comes from the Shanahan tree. Does he want to do it with the running game, setting it up? Like that's a completely different systems that aren't tied and married to one another. I think it's very, very difficult to blend so many different things together. Um, and you have a young quarterback whose confidence may be shaken a little bit. So who is going to be the guy to be able to look at the film and say, hey, let's go back to when he was playing at his MVP level. We're going to make sure that we call his favorite players from 2017 to get him back into a rhythm. It's like you and I playing pickup basketball. I've missed six or seven jump shots. Well, you know what I need? I need some layups. And I know Doug Peterson said there are no layups in the in the league. He's I mean, research came off the top rope on that one. Did you see that? Yeah, that wasn't somebody. Somebody's wow. somebody. Somebody's a disgruntled Eagles fan or something in there. But. Um, Hey, your job as a coordinator is to make it as easy as possible for your best players to get comfortable and have success. 
And so one of the things that you have to do is you got to go back and you got to look and see when Carson Wentz was playing at his best, what were we doing? And I think you have to put in a game plan that mirrors that. And as he regains his confidence, then you can add more to it. But this is what Doug Peterson did with Nick Foles when they went on the run. He dug back into the crates and pulled out the old Chip Kelly game plan when Nick Foles was 27 and two and a, I mean, playing out of his mind. They did some of those things. I think Doug Peterson has to go back and do the same thing for Carson Wentz. Let's look back at 2017, figure out what he did really, really well, and let's put him in a situation to be able to do those things. Yeah, we'll see what happens there with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Buck, is there anything else you want to touch on here? Because I, I want to I want to also thank everybody that's left us those ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. We've got a bunch of names there, those high school football player, best high school football player you've ever seen. Uh, they've dropped in there for us, so we appreciate those. I want to thank everybody for that. But is there anything else you're working on here you want to get to? No, like it, it's pretty basic. I will say this, DJ, and I, I know because you were in Baltimore for so long in Cleveland, you know the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I was studying the Steelers' defense uh, this morning because I'm doing a thing on Blitzburg. They lead the league in blitz percentage. They're blitzing 57% of the time, mm-hmm. 57%. So I'm like, man, are they doing the old Blitzburg stuff, zone dogging? Yeah. No. They're playing man-to-man on the outside with Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson. They're dropping down Edmonds, sometimes Minka, and they are blitzing. The, I mean, they are blitzing you like crazy. And they have a nickel corner, Mike Hilton, who is yep. coming off the edge. He has two sacks. And what they're doing, there's nothing complicated about it, but they're getting to the quarterback. And it reminded me of what you talked about um, in Baltimore and players. The players that they have up front are fast. They are playing with an urgency and an energy that just overwhelms you. And so, yes, a little scheme, but it's more the scheme putting the players in a position to be able to just do what they do. And they are knocking people around. That defense and that defense is scary in terms of the amount of pressure that they're able to put on. Now, I, w- I posted that play of, uh, of Chase Young just destroying, I think it was Edmonds running back for Arizona. And it, it's a zone read play, right? So you've got Kyler Murray back there and Chase Edmonds is coming off the edge unblocked, which I, I, I'm not running zone read to, uh, not to, not to Chase Edmonds, to, uh, to, Chase, Chase, Young. Uh, Chase, Young, to Chase Young side. I'm not, I'm not doing that. But it, it, I felt I felt uh, vindicated because I've had some back and forth with a defensive line coach friend about this. Now, I, I, I believe personally, thinking from the quarterback's position, that you attack the mesh point because there's some teams that, that tell you, read it. slow read it, slow read it, slow read it. Let it try and, you know, put him in kind of no man's land. No, 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 no. That was a great example of it. If you attack the mesh point, you'll tackle both of them. If you got to, you tackle both of them. But what it does is it forces that quarterback to make a real quick, hasty decision. You don't want to do that if you're a quarterback. I'd much rather be able to slow play, ride, ride. Okay, he's going inside, pull it and go. Um, and that, what to me, was exhibit A of why you attack the mesh point. You don't sit back and slow play it. It's funny because in, in, in studying uh, the blitz game um, from guys, they would tell you, uh, especially at the college level, um, if the quarterback is a running threat, you want to bring pressure from the side of the running back. Meaning you want to blitz the running back and you want it to be decisive so everyone knows exactly what they're doing. It makes the quarterback make a quick decision. If you're playing against a team that has more of a dominant running back and not really a quarterback threat, you blitz away from the running back because he is now running into the pressure. And Mm -hmm. so what you talk about, like 
what you were describing to your D-line colleague uh, makes sense because when you slow play it, 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 what do I have? I'm indecisive. Do do I go or do I give? Whereas when you make it very clear and definitive, blow up the quarterback, Mm -hmm. go full speed, it is easier, I think, for the defendant because you've eliminated all the clutter. There's no thinking, go blow it up, make this guy make a decision. And we all know, especially in the NFL, if your quarterback gets rattled once or twice on one of those plays, you won't see those plays anymore. They're not going to call it anymore. Exactly. Uh, To me, it's like a no-brainer, right? If you just sprint the mesh point – and if you can get the quarterback, hit the quarterback. But I mean, if you if you're the play caller up in the booth, you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't do that. Oh, anymore. I'm not doing that again. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna let Kyler get smashed. No, 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 no. We'll we'll put this away. You're in that thing fast enough, by the way. He's like, nope, <laughs> no, that's up you. You take that one. And, and make sure that I put my hands up so you know I don't have the ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's so good, man. Anything else you're working on, Buck? No, nah, man, that, that's it. Like uh, I did Pittsburgh thing, and then I looked at the 49ers. Jordan Reed could be a secret weapon for the nation. Project, and he's yeah. had success in that same with the same staff and the same system. So, you know, it's an easy, easy. You know, the, the thing is, he doesn't I don't think he has the same juice that maybe he once had. But DJ, I know you saw it at the end of Antonio Gates career. They got enough wiggle to just kind of make yeah. defenders pause for a minute. And with an accurate thrower, it's it's open. And so he has seven catches for 50 yards, but DJ, they put him in the slide and let him isolate against a safety and a linebacker. And he ran like a little five yard, like option route. But at the top of the route, he just kind of chatted his feet for a little bit and gave a good nod inside and broke away wide open. And so I'm thinking when they get George Kittle back with two tight ends and the flexibility, and we've talked about, man, when you have multiple tight end sets and the problems that you can create with Kittle and Reed, man, they can give you problems and it, lessens the need to have an established number one receiver at wide receiver. They can play games with their bigs on your bigs on the inside. Could be a problem going forward. Yep, and you know, you got the right play caller to figure all that stuff out. I promise you that. Figure it out. Inspired by ongoing conversations with players, NFL launched NFL Votes to empower and improve our communities by exercising the right to vote. Uh, join the NFL family by registering to vote today and make your voice heard this November. Visit nfl.com slash votes to learn more. All right, you can stream live, local, and primetime games for free on your phone and tablet by downloading the NFL app or the Yahoo Sports app. So go ahead and get yourself the NFL app or the Yahoo Sports app there. Um, that's going to do it for us today, Buck. It's been, it's been fun, man. I'm looking forward to that Monday nighter. Uh, we got SEC football this weekend. We get a chance to talk about that next week. Uh, a good slate of NFL games, again, culminating with that big game between the Chiefs and the Ravens on Monday night. All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening to Move the Sticks presented by Zaxby's. We'll catch you next time. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.